Mining Your Business Podcast. We are back, a show all about process mining data science and advanced analytics. I'm Patrick, and with me as always, my colleague Jakub. Hello, my friend. In this episode, we will be talking with Kasper Jans, a veteran in the business process management field, about what process mining, task mining, and RPA truly are, what they are not, and how they can be woven together to achieve process excellence. Let's get to it. Thank God for the ICPM, the International Conference in Process Mining. Without the conference, we would be toast and would run out of guests' ideas by now. Uh, luckily, that is not the case. And after Marlon Dumas, who you could have heard in the previous episode, we have as a guest of honor, Kasper Jans. Kasper, welcome to our show. Hi, great to be here. Thanks. Um, Kasper, your job title on LinkedIn says uh, Senior Director Transformation Solutions uh, for MA region in Software AG. And because similarly to many of you, dear listeners, I did not really know what to imagine behind this role. Here is what Kasper has on his LinkedIn bio as a description. Um, helping organizations realize that transforming the way uh, they run their businesses is much more than just implementing some IT tools. It's all about connecting the strategic goals to the collected business processes and how to manage this ecosystem. My role, and that is Kasper's role, is to advise, consult, and support uh, your transformational endeavors. And based on this explanation, you seem to be the exact person who we need in our show. Uh, the reason is that today we are really trying to connect the dots between RPA, task mining, process mining, and this overall business process management. Um, but before we get into that, could you tell us a bit more about uh, what is it that you actually do? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Um, so in, in my job within Software AG, um, I, I really do, let's say, work together with typically, let's say, the, the more senior management layers of our customers and explaining to them what business process management um, is and, and what it can mean and what kind of value it can bring to the, um, to the company. Um, and I do that based on the experience that I have um, of, let's say, 20 years of industry experience mm -hmm. in manufacturing, uh, leading a center of excellence for process management, process mining. Um, and, and so it's basically for me very easy to say, listen, I've been there, I've done that. This works, this doesn't. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that seems to resonate. Um, Jasper, we initially actually got to know you in the ICPM conference. And for your listeners who don't know, it's uh, essentially this uh, process mining conference that is bridging the gap between academia and, uh, and let's say, the industry. Uh, very cool. In 2021, it was in Eindhoven. Next year, if I'm correct, it's going to be in Italy, Bolzano. So pretty, pretty cool event uh, for all of you who are interested in process mining. Definitely check it out. But uh, in, in ICPM conference, you had this uh, lecture, or should I call it a battle, on RPA in process mining. Um, and like, how does this, this really uh, work? Uh, before we get into that, I think we should first like lay down the groundwork on what these terms actually are, because we have task and process mining and RPA. So I guess let's start at the beginning. What is actually task mining? Yeah, so... Um... With, with what you do with task mining is that you record user interaction down to the keystroke and the mouse click. And, and what you're trying to do is you're basically trying to find out what it is exactly that users are doing to complete a task, which typically is an integral part of the process. Um, and 
it, it sounds very intrusive, to be very honest. Let me just get that right out of the way. <laughs> um, with task mining, of course, you, you, uh, you define upfront which applications you actually monitor and record, and, and the other ones you simply ignore. Okay, so is the definition of a task being done, is that already set by the program, or is there some way to define that it is certainly being done at this moment, and how does that connect to the keystrokes? Um, typically, what happens uh, with with RPA with uh, task mining is that um, you start the recording before you start doing the task. Um, you you can mm-hmm. you, you typically don't continuously record uh, because ultimately it's it's a piece of software that is as, as intelligent as as the coding is. Um, so you really need to tell it. Well, now now I'm going to start the task, uh, and when you're done, you basically say, "Well, I can stop recording now." Um, and and in the case that you would be, let's say, interrupted because you receive an email, you got a phone call right in the middle of the task. These things, of course, will be scrubbed afterwards uh, once you've done the recording, and you start looking at what is it that we've seen that has happened. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of um, fitting this kind of into into process mining, because I view this as activities for cases. Right, so uh, certainly the start activity would be there, and the end activity would be there. So, what's the, I guess, the point of recording the keystrokes and the mouse clicks uh, on on these things? Well, the, the the link between process mining and task mining is that with process mining, you typically uh, look at a higher level of aggregation. Uh, you look at what are the different mm-hmm. activities that have been defined in your process that are typically also recorded by the systems that you perform them in. Uh, however, the, the level of recording and logging that systems do is, is not very, really granular. Uh, if you take the, the biggest one for SAP, mm-hmm. it only records the time that you end an activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and with task mining, you're trying to open up one of those boxes at a time and say, okay, so you say that you're creating a purchase order, but what is it that you actually do? And, and that's where task mining comes into play. Is that the, the biggest use case for task mining? Um, can, can you think of uh, what's the typical use case that you find when an enterprise says, we want to implement task mining for something? What is that thing that they usually want to answer? Um, so the, the use case I see most uh, typically is in the shared service center mode where you say, listen, standardization is the key thing for shared services. Mm-hmm. How can we make sure that everybody does this task in the most optimal form and way? Um, and with task mining, you can then basically record a couple of different people doing the same task and start to compare them and say, okay, well, you take about seven minutes for this task. You take about five minutes for that. What do you mm-hmm. do differently than the other one? Uh, and then based on that, you're trying to find the, the, the best way to do it. Uh, so that I think that's the most predominant use case that we have at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, then the second term, uh, I guess we don't really have to uh, explain process mining since uh, I mean we are a process mining podcast. So uh, if yeah, you are still struggling with this term, then probably <laughs> go to episode two where we are uh, going into the depth of process mining. However, the second term that you had as a topic in your uh, in your lecture in your battle in ICPM was uh, RPA, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess it has to do a lot with task mining. So uh, then, please feel free to explain us where RPA really stands for. Yeah, so RPA stands for Robotic Process Automation, um, and and really in the in the beginning of RPA, um, it is essentially a piece of software replacing human activity. Um, so if you just pick in your mind, you have a job where you do the same activity over and over again with the same tasks and the same mouse clicks, 
Uh, and that is something that you can automate using RPA. Um, so you, you learn the computer how to do a certain tasks by where do you click on the screen? What do you type in? Where is that information coming from? The, the link, of course, between task mining and RPA is that with task mining, you learn first by discovery mm -hmm. how somebody does an activity and you can use that specific information uh, as a template to create the RPA bot. So it, it used to be built from scratch based on the, the, the input from the, the experts, the senior key users who actually execute the activity. Uh, and nowadays, you can actually do that with task mining first, and you send that information into, R, into the RPA studio, uh, the piece of software mm -hmm. where you create the RPA bot, um, and, and then you deploy it, where you test it first, of course. But. <laughs> mm -hmm. So... so um, Please go ahead, Patrick. So if you um, were to think about this um, interplay between task mining and RPA, you have a bunch of um, people doing a similar task. Somebody does it better than others. And then the best one that you have to find kind of goes into the, the RPA and then executes that. Okay. Yeah, so, that's, that's pretty much it. Okay. Okay. So based on that, um, do you then have to, because we've seen this tons of times, there's about um, maybe three ways something should be done, but people find a thousand ways to actually do it, right? So yeah. how do you go about evaluating the right one? Is it just about sifting through every single way that this can be done and just selecting the best one based on some metrics? Or is there some way that this can be done automatically? This is where it becomes interesting. Um, the, the most used way of, of analyzing the results of your, of your task mining is to sit down with a, uh, with a process expert and you go through the recordings and, and look mm -hmm. at what are you doing and why are you doing it differently than another user? Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that is how it's typically started. Um, what we also can do nowadays is that you say, listen, the, the recordings from task mining eventually end up in, in some sort of a log file. Um, and that log file can be brought into process mining again. And then you can analyze the user interaction the same way that you would analyze the process execution. Um, and it gives you a bit of insight into say, listen, I have... Let, let's assume that you found 10 different ways of, of uh, doing that activity based on the people that you recorded with task mining. You bring that into, um, into process mining, and basically what you will have is you will have 10 different variants of a process execution <laughs> that you can then analyze for cycle time or for uh, failure rates or first-time write rates. Um, and, and that helps you in determining what potentially would be the best way to do things. Mm. In the end, of course, uh, even when once you go through that, you will still have to do some human evaluation on it and say, okay, is this really what we want and, and does that work best? Uh, so, and, and then you decide on this will be the standard way of working and we might have an exception flow or two to make sure that we, uh, that we deal and cover the, the things that can happen uh, in real life as well. Right, so that was going to be my follow-up. I'm assuming there are some legitimate variants of how to do a specific process, right? There's always cases where they need to be taken into account and you don't want your RPA to do something that you didn't want it to do because that's just how it was supposed to be set, but you just didn't account for the variance. Yeah. Is that a common issue that you need to look at? Yeah, Yes, it is. Uh, and, and I think that's the reason why you have different types of RPA. Um, so the there's, there's attended and unattended and hybrid RPA. Um, unattended means that the RPA runs completely autonomously. Mm -hmm. um, attended RPA basically means that it helps you as a user to do things quicker, but it typically asks for confirmation to do the next step. 
Uh, and with hybrid uh, hybrid RPA, there there is this form in the middle where you, um, as a user, still are partly in control, and you can say, listen, now you go ahead, RPA bot, and, and do the rest of the process for me until I need to intervene again. Right. Um, if we now circle back to this uh, lecture, or as as I said many times, the battle that you had in ICPM, uh, the name was Task and Process Mining for RP uh, for RPA. And you were discussing there with uh, Barbara Weber from uh, Unis- mm-hmm. University of St. Gallen. Um, what was really the goal of the discussion? Uh, if you could uh, maybe share it with our listeners as well, what were you discussing there and how do you like uh, connect the dots now between what you said? So I, I think the, the, the main goal of the, of the battle, which was really just a, much more of an, uh, a conversation, I would say, but uh, was to bring together the academic views on mm-hmm. uh, the combination between process mining, task mining, and RPA versus the the, the, the business view, so the practitioner's view, uh, yeah. people from the field who work with it. Um, and, and what we try to accomplish is to see how far can process mining and task mining support organizations in getting RPA up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we had some, some, I think, beautiful insights um, in that little battle. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that you said that uh, really um, kind of took us by surprise that you said that RPA is a Band-Aid. Um, yeah, I, I knew that was coming back to home. <laughs> <laughs> it basically resonated with all the audience, uh, yeah. us included. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, let me detail it out a little bit if that was your next question, Patrick, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so what I mean with that is that um, in, in certain cases, um, RPA can be really useful. Uh, but in, in other cases, it is what I call a band-aid, and it's it's pretty much uh, a quick fix that still um, hides the fact that there might be an underlying automation opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, when I say RPA is a, a band-aid, in that case, I mean that um, there might be an opportunity to solve this with automation on a lower level, preferably with uh, workflow automation or, or Cross automation in, in total. Yeah, so this is really interesting because um, I was thinking that uh, when you meant band aid, that you know most um, RPAs can be scrapped because you know this should be done automatically by some system anyway. Um, so, the- I mean, the the question is then, um, what is a good use case for RPA, and what is definitely a bad one? And then I w- kind of want want to dissect like where you can identify the the gray zone. Like, how do you know if it's really a systemic? problem from the system and how do you know that rpa is really really useful and can only be used in the circumstance oh that's a that's a, a good and a difficult question at the same time um so the, imagine um you're a global company you operate in a hundred different countries uh, meaning mm-hmm. that you will have revenue in a hundred different currencies uh, or a little bit less um and you have people that every day Go on the internet and and download the currency the, the, the currency exchange rates and put that into your ERP system. So at every day you have the right exchange rates in there, um, that, which is a very common use case for RPA because you basically tell the bot to scrape the internet every day, uh-huh. take the currency exchange rate and put it into um, put it into your ERP. So that could be a very valid uh, uh, use case. It's a use case that we actually did in the previous company that I worked for. Um, the, the, the risk that you run with that one, uh, with anything that you have on the internet, is that at the moment that the internet provider decides to change the layout of the website, 
your RPA bot will start acting crazy because it's actually based on where on the screen do I need to click. Um, so at that point in time, you, you get into that gray zone where you uh -huh. say, might it not be more efficient to see if we can actually subscribe to a service provider that will send me the currency exchange rates every day? Um, and that's what I mean with the band-aid part. So the, the, having an RPA bot in there that says, I'll scrape the internet for exchange rates every day, it can work until the first change comes along, either in your ERP system where it needs to put the exchange rates or in the website where it takes them from. Um, and then the systemic solution and then the underlying automation opportunity might be, we'll subscribe to, uh, well, Bloomberg or whatever, whatever right. uh, organization that you have that has a link to your ERP automatically as well. It says, well, here are the exchange rates for today. Um, at the moment that, that um, I, I would say, this is just my personal opinion, uh, at the moment that the activity that you're trying to automate can be anchored in the underlying application, you should try to see if you can automate it there. Um, in use cases where you say, I need to have interaction over multiple systems for one activity, that's where RPA would be really valuable. Okay, um, this is getting very interesting, actually. So uh, maybe if we are looking back into the process mining and uh, we have these two defined activities, we have, uh, I don't know, creation of PO and then sending the PO to, uh, to a vendor so that, uh, you know, we get our goods. Um, would you have some, uh, let's say, uh, an assessment form or let's say some blueprint on even... Uh, know, advising a customer who is, you know, considering task mining and eventually RPA, whether for this specific use case, whatever happens between this send PO and, and creation of PO um, would be actually good for implementing this technology? Um, so what we typically, what we typically do um, is that, uh, and, and this is a, a natural flow of things, I would say, is that we mm -hmm. typically do process mining first on the process. So you, you mentioned mm -hmm. the, the procurement process, which I absolutely love. Um, I've, I've spent a lot of my career in that process. Um, so from requisition to purchase order to goods receipt to invoice receipt and invoice processing, with process mining, what you do is you're trying to find the first bottleneck. Um, yeah. and, and you're trying to find and identify those activities that are done very frequently and take up a lot of time because those are your first candidates for automation mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. then your, your, your win, your benefit is actually biggest. Um, and at the moment that you say, well, my creation of the purchase order is actually my bottleneck, that's when you then implement task mining for that specific activity and say, okay, so what is it that we're actually doing? So basically you take a little box that's called the creation of the PO, you open it up with, uh, with task mining, And you're trying to uh, distill and find out what is it that actually that, that we do. And, and the sending of the PO to the vendor, mm -hmm. I, I would typically say, is an integral part of that creation of PO. Because very typically, once you save the PO in SAP, for instance, it will mm -hmm. send out the PO via email or via any other uh, um, medium that you've defined right. uh, to the vendor. Um, but it, it's that task mining part that says, okay, so... What we're basically doing here, and let's take a very concrete example, I have a bunch of requisitions that are being created by the MRP run, so your material requirements planning run, in case of a manufacturing example. Um, we know that these requisitions are basically 
always right because there is a contract uh-huh. beneath it. Uh, uh-huh. they, they come from master data. It's all fine. You can basically just transfer them one by one. The only thing you need to do is to see, is the delivery date still valid? Is it still in the right time? So there's a lot of things that you can automate in that step that you can discover based on uh, the task mining. And, and to be very honest, back in the day when, let's say 10 years back, when I was a, a, a subject matter expert for procurement and I was going into the factories and sitting next to those people who do the replenishment, that's basically a manual form of, our, of task mining, what you're doing, because mm-hmm. you're looking, you're sitting right next to the person saying, okay, so what is it that you do now? <laughs> and then you write it down on a piece of paper and, okay, so this is what you're doing. And then you do this and then you do that. That's what task mining helps you do, really. I mean, it's continuous improvement all the way. So I guess if you want to implement uh, a proper a bot, Jen, just uh, hire Casper uh, over here who can do <laughs> no. the task mining for you. <laughs> uh, I've, I've been there, I've done that, uh, but I, I'll stick to consulting right now. <laughs> no, but in, in the end, um, if you want to automate something, um, you don't automate just for the sake of automation. Yeah. You automate because you want that to be part of your continuous improvement uh, initiatives. It needs to be better afterwards. If it does, if it's not getting better, then don't automate. Yeah. And it actually comes back to the topic of the overall governance, which is, I guess, the next, uh, let's say, topic in our discussion over here, because this automation in general, uh, you know, you have your process, you see it in process mining, you have some documentation on it, and then... Uh, the question is like, should you automate? Should you process mine first? And I actually had this question, uh, this chicken or the egg question, whether you should first automate your processes as much as possible and then do the process mining or start with process mining and then start with the automation. Or uh, how do you look at this uh, overall picture of, uh, let's say we have a process, we started with the purchasing, uh, so P2P, let's say. Um, how do you go about this overall process management to include all these areas that we've just discussed? Oh, that's a, that's a lovely topic. Um, so if you have a couple of minutes, uh, let me just get right into it. So process <laughs> governance is one of those critical ingredients if you want process management to be successful. Uh, if, if you haven't defined who is the real owner of a process and, and who's accountable for actually taking very difficult decisions about the process, um, then process management will simply not fly. So let's, if you take it from, from face value, so process governance is one of the first things that you put into place. Um, mm-hmm. Then you typically define how should the process look like. Uh, so in case of PTP, of course, that has been done uh, a zillion times. So everybody understands how the P2P process should work. Um, still, a lot of companies completely can mess that up. Um, <laughs> and why is that? <laughs> typically because either there is no process governance in place so there is no real owner, and, and it's still a, a collection of silos. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the first questions I very often ask to, uh, to, to my client and prospect, listen, accounts payable, where does that reside in your organization? Is that in finance or is that in procurement? Because if they say it's in finance, I know uh, right then and there it's a, it's, it's a siloed organization still. If they say it's in procurement, I know that they have this end-to-end view. Now, um, at the, and then the next thing that you do um, is now I got my process in place and it runs uh, and it, it and it might not run optimally. So we need to start doing something with it. We need to improve it. Uh, and then the chicken and the egg question is, do I mine first and then automate or do I automate first and then mine? My vision is very simple. You first improve before you automate. Because if you automate what you have, you'll get to the same bad result just quicker. Uh, <laughs> which I think makes no sense. 
Um, so you first improve and, and then you automate because then you automate the improved version instead of the, the current version. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, so I mean, if you think about the the life cycle, because I was looking at uh, some of the slides that you uh, that you provided, um, is it cyclical in nature in general? Um, the 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 improvement cycle, you mean? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So the the, the interesting thing is that um, if you look at process management in in in, in its entirety, you look at the mm-hmm. life cycle of a process. It, it very often starts with design and documentation. So you you design the process, you document it. Um, even if you think that you're working agile, you still need to document it. It's a discussion I have a, a zillion times a week. Um, at the moment that you've documented it and designed it, you implement the process, which typically takes place in transactional systems. Eh? Your ERPs, right. your Salesforce, mm-hmm. well, you name it. The next step that you can do then um, is the, the mining part. Uh, let, let's start with the process mining part. And, and really, process mining, I think, has taken over from BI almost uh-huh. completely. Um, and then you can do task mining as well if you want. And, and the, you'll find yourself at a junction then. There's a couple of ways you can go once you've done the mining. You can first use the mining results and implement RPA if you want. I mean, that, that's something that companies very often do. But then you go basically, you automate the current way of working, which might be good, but could be bad. Another thing that you can do is you go you go into the improvement route and you say, listen, um, uh, based on the mining results, I see that we can improve there and there and there. Let's make that improvement happen. We go through the documentation phase and the implementation phase again, because if you want to improve something, you probably have to change something. And then a little while later, the results of your improvement will be visible in mining again. And, and the whole the whole cycle keeps on going. And the only thing that might be in there that I haven't mentioned yet is that what we also see customers do is based on the mining results. They say, okay, I, I got my approach to pay process. Um, I see that I have a problem with receiving the invoice uh, because uh, very often the vendor forgets to put a legal entity on it, our legal entity, or mm-hmm. misses other mandatory things. So we're going to put a invoice sandbag procedure in place this process. What you can do before you actually document and implement that is say, listen, I'll simulate that new process and I'll compare the results of the simulation with the results I have in mining to see if it will, if, if it will probably give me that improvement I'm looking for. And then you go through documentation and implementation and mining again. So very cyclical. Yeah. So, um, what's the, what's the time spent on this cycle? Like, is it every two weeks that you're just redoing this? Is that enough time? Or is it like every five years you're looking at this process? Like, what is it looking like? Uh, that depends a bit on the process and on the organization. Um, right. it, it, and it very much depends on the, on the, um, the, the delivery, the change delivery cycle that an IT organization can handle. Uh, I, I remember when I started in this manufacturing company, they had a, a two times a year delivery cycle. So every six months, there was a package of changes delivered to all the SAP systems. Uh-huh. Uh, this was SAP specific. Um, so on average, it, it took nine months before you could have an improvement that you came up with and have it actually in production uh, in SAP. Um, then we did run a program on that. And I, I, I ran that, that project myself uh, where we used process mining to look at the whole management of change process and see, okay, how can we do this quicker? And we went from two times a year to basically continuous delivery, um, uh-huh. where on average, it's, it took about three weeks to get from change request 
through the whole uh, impact analysis, uh, testing, designing, testing, and delivering it to production. Now, if you have a process like Pay, what you in, in, what you do a couple of hundred thousand times a year, if you're a bit of a sizable company, mm-hmm. um, you might run this improvement cycle continuously um, every two weeks, every four weeks. Um, but if it's a process that only takes place once every so often, like the the, the period uh, the period and closing process in in finance, you typically look at that once or twice a year. So it, it depends a bit right. on the process and on the situation that you have around management of change. Um. How do you get the organization to buy in in this idea uh, that uh, whether you do process mining, task mining, or uh, then eventually automation, it's not a one and done operation? Uh, I know we are dealing with organizations as well who uh, have this idea that once they uh, you know automate one thing, it's just going to improve the whole process. But uh, you know. The understanding that if you automate one thing, it might trigger other problems or other things is simply not as strong sometimes as it probably should be. Um, True. How do you persuade or how do you get the organizations into the right mindset that this is basically a, a never-ending game? Yeah, so the, it, that comes back to the fact that you need to explain what BPM actually is to, to right. organizations. Uh, BPM is not modeling processes. That's just a very tiny part of BPM. It's a fundamental part, but it's a tiny part. So what you need to explain, and that's what we—that's what I typically do. And that's my first conversation I typically have with uh, with my customers. Is saying, "Listen, you have a strategy as an organization. Your strategy defines what it is that you want to achieve, and you communicate that to the market. So everybody knows. If you're a public company, everybody knows. And um, that strategy is typically transformed uh, and transferred into an operating model. How do you organize yourselves? to be successful. And then a, a, a big part of that operating model is your whole business process hierarchy, but it's also your application landscape. It's also your organizational chart. And all of these things are very, very, very connected to each other. If you run a process, it's a role or multiple roles that have activities in that process. It's supported by applications. It's there to mitigate certain risks. So all the things that you have, all the organizational artifacts, as I call them, they come together in BPM. Meaning that at the moment that you start doing this, um, it's not just a one-off thing. It's a continuous thing because your process execution is continuous and it has an effect on the way that you want to achieve your strategic goals. So mm-hmm. that, that is very, in a, in a nutshell, the, the road I typically take. Um, then essentially you are coming back or it comes back to the people because every organization is consisted of people who are producing some value. And uh, I know that in one of your uh, articles on your blog, where we're going to get later on, um, you actually discussed this, that, uh, you know, you should have a very clearly defined user role segregation, but not only like meaning what does what or what each user does, but also why each user does what they do. Um, could you elaborate a bit more, a bit more on that? Yeah, uh, of course. Um, I mean, within an organization, uh, I mean, and, and I think that that's been of all times already for a long time now is that we, we try to, uh, we try to split up activities and, and group them in such a way that they can be done by one person. And that person over time becomes sort of an expert in what he, what he or she does. Um, people generally want to do the right thing for their company. I mean, I think that's, that's a human innate yeah. desire. Um, the only thing is that people need to understand why it is that they're doing something. 
And so they need to understand what is my role and what is my part in achieving ultimately the goals of the company. And, and sometimes there's like five or six different levels between people on the work floor and the, the very lofty strategic goals that an organization has. And that's why it's very important to define those strategies, goal, those strategic goals into tactical goals, into operational goals, so people understand, hey, listen, if I'm doing my job right, we will have less inventory because we are more in control of the things uh-huh. that we do. And less inventory means less operating working capital, meaning a higher return on capital employed. Uh, th- that's the kind of steps that you need to have in place. Uh, and, and that's why middle management really has a crucial role because they are the ones translating those strategic goals into the things that people understand on the shop floor mm-hmm. because in execution, that's where you realize your strategy, n- nowhere else. Uh, and also then from a technical perspective, so essentially when we have all these tools, we have a BPM tools that are uh, designing and helping to manage the process from the uh, bigger picture. But then we have a process mining tools. We have a RPA tools. And it also almost seems that these tools are very often existing uh, uh, co-edemp... Uh, I'm sorry, I can't even pronounce the word correctly. Uh, you know, They're coexisting, uh, yeah. Yeah, they are just basically coexisting in the system. And, uh, uh, you know, you have one process, but uh, three different departments that are doing their own thing um, without really consulting each other on what the outcomes could be. And I see it also very often when there is simply a desire for automation, but it's not really uh, consulted with the people who actually designed the process in the first place. So uh, these are, I would say, a double-edged sword, and it's basically coming back to this Band-Aid, uh, Band-Aid mm-hmm. reference. Um, how do you deal with these silos? So the, um, I think that's a very fundamental topic that you, that you address. Um, so what we we call that the big picture um, and, and i started doing that with the whole strategic strategy operating model business process part but besides that um what we see happening indeed a lot is that uh, there is a lot of um a lot of solution vendors out in the market and, and we're one of them um that um that position rpa process mining task mining as sometimes as one stop shop solutions um and and Personally, I, I don't believe in that. And, and we as a company also, by the way, don't believe in that. Yes, you can have process mining as a one-off uh, ad hoc activity. But if you really want to make it a sustainable success, you need to make sure of two things. Um, first of all, the, the, the process mining or task mining activity needs to be embedded in your process governance, meaning that the people who own a process also own the fact if part of that process will be automated. That mm-hmm. needs to be in one person. And, and whether that automation is being executed by another part of the company, that's fine, as long as the whole governance and management of change is one process. There should not be a separate governance for process mining if you also have a, gov- a process governance for, for process management. They mm-hmm. are the same thing. Uh, they should be the same thing, in my view. Right. Uh, the same goes for task mining, by the way. And so it's really important to stress that to, to organizations and to customers say, listen, and, and then there is the other part is saying, listen, we think process mining is part of BPM, plain and simple. Um, but if you really want to go for a BPM tool and a separate process mining tool, absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Just make sure that the governance is under one umbrella. Um, otherwise, it will go in all directions except the right one. Um. 
is it necessary? I mean, so we've been talking about RPA and task mining and process mining. Um, when a company wants to focus on these um, processes and say, we want to do BPM, we want to improve our processes, is it necessary really to really get a slice of every single one of these tools? Or is, does one suffice? Do you recommend starting out slow or they should go for the full shebang, get everything implemented in one year and just go from there? Like, well, how do you typically approach clients that really want to start at this point? The, um, the, the, the most important thing here, I believe, is that you, you, you think big and you start small. Uh, the problem is you can't deal with this in a big bang. Um, mm-hmm. BPM typically affects every little nook and cranny in the organization if you do it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, that means that it's too much for an organization to absorb if you, if you bombard them with BPM, including the process management part and the process mining part and the task mining part. So we typically say, listen, what is it that you want to achieve with BPM? So what is the philosophy around implementing process management? That's so working in a more process-oriented manner. Um, based on that, you're going to define where are we going to start and, and with what are we going to start? And, and even though it's, it's not as sexy as process mining and task mining, but documenting your processes is step number one, whether you like it or not. You first need to know and find out how is it that we agree with, with each other that we are going to do our processes. And, and to be very honest, you can use process mining to help you there. So you can basically say, listen, I'll, I'll process mine my entire ERP system. And based on that, I'll find out which processes are actually being done. The main problem with that is, A, it takes time to do that. Um, and B, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that what you've mined is also the one that you should be doing. Uh, people are very creative, as you mentioned. They can find a thousand different ways, even in SAP, where sometimes people say, we can figure SAP in such a way that we can only do it like this. Nope, that doesn't work. People are creative. They'll find workarounds. <laughs> um, so the first step that we typically take is, say, listen, what is it that you want to do? So you start documenting your processes. At the same time, you can start your pilots with process mining and on a small scale. But the most important thing is that you define with the organization what kind of value do we want to get out of it and how well are we in communicating that value to the organization. Yeah, that's actually something I was just about to mention because in, in uh, process mining, the big trend now is, well, everybody, every organization is comparing it to uh, other BI tools. And then uh, the big topic is, is this really providing us a value? And uh, a lot of companies are trying to uh, put a number on the value that the process mining and the tools are really saving. Um, in my opinion, and also based on this discussion and what you're saying, uh, while this is very important, I mean, why would you have the BPM, uh, the overall management of your processes, if it wasn't really providing you a value? But I don't think it should be the first thing to really focus on because having uh, having this... Um, Having your processes in your own hands and knowing what's happening and why is probably even bigger reason than saving or having a number uh, for the value that you've created with this because you have it in your uh, in your possession. You know what is happening. You can uh, you can uh, uh, manage it, and that's probably even bigger topic than saving uh, I don't know ten thousand euros in a automation bot somewhere. Yeah, um, well, absolutely. Um, the the thing is that. With BPM, the benefits that you uh, that you can get the, the, the business value basically always is indirect uh, because BPM is not an, an execution 
platform. It's it's a management platform. So that means that whatever benefit you want to you want to realize always will have to go in ultimately through the execution layer because that's where that's where the stuff happens. That's where you can realize the value. And um, nevertheless, we have a very clear idea on the different kind of values that that PPM as a as a philosophy can can mm-hmm. give you. Now with process mining it's slightly different uh, because you're much closer to the execution layer because you are discovering how things really have happened. And, and by doing that, it's, very, it's, it's much easier to find out, well, if we change this, if we get rid of this step in the process, if we can do this, this activity quicker, this is the value that we can get out of that. And, and the thing with process mining is that you typically start with those processes that have a very high transactional volume. And then economy of scale kicks in, and whatever small improvements you make, that that result is amplified very quickly to very big numbers. Um, and so, process mining typically has that ability to to get that business value a little mm-hmm. bit quicker than than BPM as a philosophy has. Right. Um, so, if we are coming back to these three topics: process mining, task mining, and RPA, you basically execute it as an extra layer between the overall documentation and process management, and between the execution. And you have this this layer that's basically communicating with each other. You are getting the data out. You are reading them, interpreting them, and eventually setting up some automations to help you with some of the tasks, be it RPA or be it a, a, a lower level, basically a system automation. Uh, I guess both are really helping you along the way. What I'm now wondering, and with your experience, I'm sure you would have some uh, good examples. You already mentioned some, but uh, would you able to tell us some uh, very good example where these three uh, things are coexisting, coexisting with each other, and maybe also tell us a bit uh, about the value that it brought to the organization that implemented it, and then maybe some example where they are also coexisting, but uh, the execution didn't go very well, and something happened, and maybe. There are some problems causing, uh, you know, just having these three tools next to each other. All right, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Um, well, so, so first of all, the I think the, the the combination of the three is something that has been that that emerged not too long ago. So there there is not that many that actually have. Well, there's a lot of organizations that have RPA because that's a little bit an older technology. Uh, there's a lot of organizations that have process mining and RPA. Um, there's not yet a lot of organizations that have process mining and task mining and RPA. And just right. to, to mention that first. Um, an interesting one that I can mention around um, uh, process mining and RPA is um, a, a manufacturing organization that I, that I know quite well that says, listen, we have a production planning process, uh, but we see a lot of, um, a lot of, deep break-ins into the what they call the frozen period. So the last seven days before a production run starts. You don't right. want to change the production plan that close before you actually start a production run. Um, and, and they asked us to look into, uh, into that with process mining and all the BPM tools that we had. Um, and what we saw um, is that the, the, the production planners um, needed to break in because the supply of raw material was not stable enough. Um, and so we needed to look into that. So we, we used process mining to find out where the first bottlenecks were. So we found out that in the supply of raw materials, um, there were issues. Um, and, and then we used, and this project is a couple of years ago, so this was basically manual task mining. We needed to go and sit next to the people and say, listen, what is it that you do? Mm-hmm. And why is it that you need to keep changing the delivery dates of these purchase orders all the time? 
um, until we we found out, and that was that was based on on what we call root cause mining in in, in the process mining sphere. Um, and you can do the same thing in task mining and say, okay, look at the data set, look at all of the data elements that you have in there, and what has the biggest impact on this particular symptom. Um, and then we found out that. It was, it was, in the end, it was so stupid. They simply had the mass of data wrong in SAP. They said, basically, for each vendor and product combination, it took five days to deliver it. While the thing that we did afterwards is we just started calling vendors and said, listen, how long does it typically take for you to get this product from where you get it to our plant in that city? Yeah, that's about 12 days. Oh, okay. So if you have five days in your SAP system and it takes 12 days in, in general... <laughs> You're, being, you're going to get it seven days late on average. Um, if you do that, the next thing that will happen is that your inventory managers will say, I need to have more safety stock because I can't rely on the fact that this purchase order is actually coming in on that specific day. So ultimately, um, if you look at that particular project, which, which was an investment of 150K for the whole in, uh, analysis, the whole implementation with an external party to correct all that, um, it was roughly between one and two million a year on, on benefits that they got back from it wow. in, in uh, inventory reduction, in less rush POs, uh, less people that you needed to do the actual jobs. Um, well, you name it. Um, so that, that's one where process mining and, and, and task mining, even though it was a, a, a manual variant, come into play. Right. Um, can, so it was really just... Picking up the phone and calling vendors, that was the... In, in the end, that, that was the mitigation. That was one of the corrective actions that you do. Um, there were obviously more, uh, more actions, but that was one of them. Um, do you think that this is possible for an organization to, organization to figure out without all these tools, or are these tools necessary for people to start asking the right questions? Well, it, ultimately, you can do everything manually. Um, it, just, it will just take an immense amount of time. I mean, I, I do remember uh, that one of the first things, um, one of my first improvement projects when I was a subject matter expert for Pure to Pay was to have this immensely big brown paper on the wall and have 12 people in the room for a day trying to figure out how is it that we do this process. With process mining, if you have that, if you have that process mining engine connected to your ERP system, it's a matter of, well, let's say, an hour, two hours. Once you get the data in, you, you'll, you'll very, most of the work is actually in connecting the system to get the data in, making sure you have the right data. But once you have the data, it is really quickly done to say, okay, these are the variants and these are the different executions that I see. Um, do, we, do we understand that? And can we go through this one by one, uh, which is much more efficient than doing that on a brown paper? Um, so I, I do believe that the tools will give you... Uh, much, much more efficiency in, in continuous improvement compared to the manual way that we uh -huh. used to do it. Um, Kasper, wrapping up the episode here, uh, I know that uh, Patrick already mentioned it as a preparation for our discussion. We received some slides from you. And as a last slide, you, you really have there this, this data-driven process analysis and design. So how would you define uh, an organization that is really data-driven when it comes to processes? So the um, Organizations need to understand that the, the business process is the vehicle that brings everything together. Um, it's, where your, it's where the execution is based upon. And execution, as I mentioned earlier, is the only thing where your strategy is being realized. Um, if, you're, if you're driving a process without knowing 
what goes on in the process without knowing the performance of the process. You're basically driving a car blind. Now, I, I'm not sure when you, for the last time in your life, tried to drive a, a car blind, or you can compare that in driving into really dense fog. What you will do is you will slow down because you have no way of telling where it is that you're going, how fast it is that you're going. Um, so that analogy, you want to be in a Formula One car to be very, uh, very uh, relevant right now after this last weekend. <laughs> you want to go 300 kilometers an hour, knowing exactly what the state of your car is, where you are on the track, and, and what is, and, and that is a very data-driven sport, the same way that running a business needs to be a very data-driven activity from a process perspective. Uh, well said. I love this analogy with a Formula One car and, uh, and uh, driving in a fog. I think we'll, we'll use it at some point as well, Patrick, because we love stealing other people's ideas. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> be, be my guest. There's no copyright on that one. All right. That's, that's good to hear. Um, Gasper, uh, before, we, before we go, I, I know that you are also writing a blog and that you are also actually in the middle of preparation of a book. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so uh, the, the blogging I've been doing already for a while, uh, I have this blog series called My Week in BPM, uh, which basically uh, started out with saying, what did, I, what did I encounter? What was the most interesting thing this week right. uh, in my... In my uh, because I'm, I have the privilege of working with some of the largest companies out there in the world on, on BPM, um, which really you see a lot of the things that go on in, in those companies. Um, if I combine that with The, the experience I've had in the last 20 years in the manufacturing world, where I also had roles in, in the business side as supply chain managers and procurement, procurement manager, um, I, I figured out that all that experience that I've, that I've accumulated over the last 20, 25 years almost, um, let, let me put that into a book that basically describes if you want to go the BPM route, What is it that you need to do and what is it that you need to take into account? So what kind of commitment does that take? Um, so the, the, the preparations I've just started, uh, and, and I hope to finish it uh, somewhere next year, is going to be uh, a, a BPM book for practitioners um, and, and for, mm. for management to say, okay, we want to go that, that direction. These are the things that we need to think about uh, without going too technical because I'm not a technical person. I, I, I try to keep it as, as let's say, practical as possible without going into the bits and bytes. I guess we'll have to invite you once again after you release your book. <laughs> I'll be my pleasure to be back here. Casper, <laughs> uh, it's been really our pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Uh, I hope that you, our dear listeners, have enjoyed this episode as well. Uh, for me, it was some learning because uh, yeah, we don't deal with task planning and RPA as nearly as often as we probably should. Uh, so really interesting to hear from a practitioner, Casper, who is into the topic uh, way more into depth than we are. Um, if you have any questions, reach us out on mindingyourbusinesspodcast at gmail.com. We are also very active on LinkedIn. So if you have any questions, any recommendations, any guests that you think would be uh, really great for our show, just please reach out to us. We are always happy for suggestions. Um, Well, that will be it for today. Uh, so we will hear from, or you will hear from us again in two weeks uh, with the next episode of Mining Your Business podcast. So uh, Patrick, Casper, uh, thank you very much for today's discussion and uh, bye. Thank you. Thank you.